Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the things it takes throughout your entire company to maximize the value for your customers. Today, I am thrilled to have Jens Henschel uh, from London. So we are doing the international episode of the Value Clarity Podcast today. Jens, welcome. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Am I the first European pretty much on your show? Uh, I think you're the third. The third, all right, okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. Like third time's the charm. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. No, thanks for having me. Really looking forward oh, to the chat. No, I'm thrilled. And part of the reason I'm thrilled is because I have been looking for uh, somebody in your field for quite a while because Jens it has been a uh, per purchasing or procurement professional uh, for most of his career, and now he is. Uh, headed out, he's he's got his own consultancy, a uh, half dozen person consultancy, uh, where he helps companies. Um, is it both sharpen up your purchasing, but you also work with helping sales organizations figure out the the, the secret code of the purchasing agent. The secret sauce, yeah, no, absolutely, uh, Mark. I mean, let me maybe just just tell you the story, please. Why I'm here, right? I mean, why why we're we doing this in the first place. Um, as you say, I mean, I was all my career on uh, in the procurement area and the purchasing space, and some of your listeners might might define it as the dark side. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot, a lot of years at Procter and Gamble, at KFC, and other areas. And um, the reason why I left the corporate world was uh, I, you know, set up a consultancy company, as you say, with with a couple of ex colleagues of mine. And what we wanted to do initially is to go to procurement teams and tell them how they can become more customer-centric, how they can better interact with their internal stakeholders, but also with their suppliers, so the external stakeholders. And when we started doing that, we obviously got in touch with a lot of salespeople, a lot of uh, sales organizations. And that was the very first time for me personally, stepping out of my procurement world and interacting with you guys, not as a buyer, but as a business professional. And what I learned there initially was, quite frankly, was shocking, Mark, right? I mean, because a lot of salespeople perceive procurement as, well, the blocker, uh, the value destroyer, a function that you should avoid at all costs. And that really made me, made me think, uh, and, and my colleagues as well, to say, look, I think we need to do something about this because if we as buyers, as procurement function, want to be successful, we need to have the best suppliers out there, the best salespeople that actually understand what we're doing. So maybe we need to, you know, start talking about procurement more and engage with with you guys from the sales side to really um you know to explain what we're doing uh and how we can build value together this is really our main goal yeah and and that's where we kind of our interests really align uh, i'm i'm still the way i'm going to characterize it here is going to still make you sound you know purchasing sound a little like the dark side but um <laughs> Purchase, I've talked to several purchasing professional, professionals. One of them is actually a good friend that I've had for 25 years uh, and teaches procurement to oil and gas companies. Um, anyway, 
the and the gist of it is that purchasing professionals are chartered they're given instruction to buy based on not price but total value that's your charter but as and this is more true of junior and less well-trained purchasing folks they aren't trained to recognize value they aren't trained in how to measure it they aren't conditioned to believe a vendor's story of what value is. So they don't know what it is, can't measure it, and don't really have the time or the incentive to go out and figure it out for themselves. And so yeah. to, you know, to stop me, I'm going to stop right there and, and get, get your agreement, disagreement on, on that part of it before I continue. No, I think there's a lot of things already, uh, Mark, and, and a lot of things where, you, where you're absolutely right. And I think one you know, maybe one point that I would, you know, would like to touch base on here is there's a lot of variety, a big spectrum of procurement maturity and procurement professionalism, right? There's definitely still the bias out there that, you know, they just go after the lowest price and they don't, they don't know what the notion of value actually means. And they don't care. They're not targeted on it. They just want the discount. You give them the discount, independent of what the market price even is, right? They just say, okay, I want this 3% discount. That's where I get you know, the tap on the shoulder from my boss and that's already good enough. And then you have the other extreme where you have, you know, very you know, professional analytical uh, people that actually investigate um, what the market price should be, right? Uh, how you can build total, total best value uh, and not only focusing on the per unit price, but saying, look, um, how can we maybe even pay a little more? And by doing that, creating some efficiencies in other areas. So you have these two extremes and then everything in between. And there's, um, McKinsey is doing an annual assessment on, on, on procurement maturity. And they normally say that 10% varies by industry as well, but just let's, for the sake of it, let's say everyone is the same. 10% is still in that space of, uh, I just care about price. Then you have 15% on uh, being very mature, very professional, very value focused. And then you have everything between. So roughly 60, 70% of procurement organizations that are somewhere in between, uh, that maybe in some areas are very advanced, in some areas might not be so advanced. So this is probably the bottom line here. There's a wide spectrum. And I think as a salesperson, what is important is you just need to understand where's your buyer at so that you interact with him or her accordingly. Yeah, and I think you're right. And tell me if I'm right or wrong here. There's, it, it's not even that simple that people fall on a spectrum. You can have a pretty professional purchasing person, but they purchasing people um, in when they're studying purchasing and when they go back for training, they are all taught this tool called the Kraljic matrix, uh, which is a two by two matrix. And it is a method for purchasing agents to categorize the quantity they're buying right now. And on one axis, it's uh, the, the riskiness of supply chain interruption, how unique or how differentiated it is, how many vendors sell this particular commodity. And it's very few, you have to be a little bit more, um, you, have, you have to treat that commodity as something more rare and not alienate those vendors. Uh, if they're common and they're all alike, then uh, they're meant to be leveraged. You know, God, God made that kind of commodity to be leveraged for price. And then on the other spectrum, it's the impact on cost. If it's an insignificant cost item, uh, then 
you, you just try to automate that as much as possible within the other dimension. And then if it's a high impact on cost, that's worth a lot of your attention. So even those very sophisticated purchasing folks, um, as a seller, you have to know where on that buyer's Kraljic matrix they think you are. And if you think you're in the wrong spot, now you have to not make your case that you're differentiated. Well, you're making your case on your differ that you're differentiated so you can get to the right spot on the on their matrix. So they start treating you the way, at least you know why they're treating you that the way they are. But um, now you can come to a mutual agreement on what's really going on here. No, I mean, that, that's a very good point there, Mark. Uh, this Kralik matrix is pretty much applied in one form or the other uh, by procurement teams across across the board. And, and as you say, I mean, the day for any one of us has only 24 hours and you need to pretty much categorize where do you want to spend your time on? And this Kralik matrix helps you to assess where are those supplies that I need to be focusing on for whatever reason, they might supply me with a end consumer noticeable product. So the spend might be low, but it's still very noticeable to the end consumer. So I need to make sure that we're gonna get this ingredient, that we're gonna get this service, or it's a big ticket item in terms of we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars with that supply and that material or service. And we obviously wanna make sure that we you know, have a, a certain amount of, of our time spent on that very, on that very account. And what I've seen in my professional career is, Mark, that, that a lot of suppliers, big and small, get that sometimes totally wrong. I mean, there's a tendency, and it's probably just human, that we all think, well, we must be the, the most strategic supplier to, this, to that customer. It cannot be that we're just a commodity uh, to them. And I think that might be sometimes um, then, you know, obviously misleading. And you might then, as a salesperson, expect from the buyer you know, a lot of airtime, et cetera, et cetera, that, that that person cannot grant you because you just, you're just not that strategic. But it doesn't mean that you're not adding value to the company, right? You just need to uh, maybe um, choose a different approach uh, and think of what does a buyer need from a supplier that is more of a commodity supplier. It's different, obviously, to a highly strategic uh, account, uh, but there's no better or worse. It's just a different approach. Yeah. Um, if I may just add another point there, Mark, is what I feel when I, when I talk to salespeople, what, what they sometimes um, underestimate is that your buyer, your procurement counterpart might be managing 100, 200 suppliers and might be managing 300, 400 million uh, in dollars of spend, right? So even if you have a contract of 5, 10 million, which, which is huge, right? Uh, it might not, might not be so big for your buyer. So these are maybe just two, two things take into consideration before you really um, you know, think of interacting with your buyer. Where are you in that matrix and how important are you to your buyer? And you know what? There is no sin. There's, there's actually an advantage as a seller is to just have that conversation with your buyer. Where do I sit? How do we most effectively spend each other's time? Here's what I think I am to you. And tell me where you think I am because we, before I, I'm going to be wasting your time if we don't align on where I sit. And so let's stop and, and just have the process set between us so that we, we know where I sit with you. And if, if I need, if I think it needs to change, then we can talk about that. But um, I, I've got to, 
as a professional seller, you have to respect that and understand that from your buyer. Uh, I guess the other thing I have, uh, it's kind of a changed, somewhat changed topic is that I teach sellers that even smaller differentiations in your product, in your service, can often lead to huge value delivered to a customer. Um, a tiny increase in the durability of your product, you know, if it's a 5% increase in durability of the product, it it can actually have value to your customer that is worth more than the entire purchase price of the product in the downstream effects of what reliability happens, the replacement costs, the training costs, the change in operation procedures, um, what that means in terms of your customer documentation, how that, so there's, there's all kinds of tentacles that that tiny little advantage can weave throughout the customer. So, if you can help the purchasing agent, purchasing person understand that and provide them with value, oftentimes then the purchasing person is gonna have a, geez, I doubt that, or I doubt that that it's as big, but let's, let's get the people involved inside the purchasing agent's company to validate that. So now uh, everybody understands what's going on and the purchasing agent then understands why you're trying to get into his organization when he was trying to block you. You're both trying to get um, that company's in real internal validation, which is what the purchasing person really is looking for anyway. No, absolutely. I mean, nobody in procurement any longer, except for this 10% that I mentioned early on, nobody in procurement any longer will just get a promotion or a you know a recognition from the leadership team by delivering a little bit of a discount right i mean cost control cost management is just a given so how do you stand out as procurement professionals exactly by what you just described by having suppliers that come up with ideas how can i help you to become uh, more efficient as an organization um, how can you generate more sales with my product potentially right and helping the procurement person to articulate that in a way so that they can wow their internal stakeholders, right? I think this is really, um, I would say, where, where good sellers can make the difference by not just giving a procurement person an idea and then let them go on with potentially convincing the CFO or an R&D department or a marketing department. Good salespeople really then come up with the whole kind of business, idea, business plan and the communication templates to be used in the discussion that the procurement person has then with their internal stakeholders. That's really where, where I saw a lot of, you know, good salespeople making really the difference. And that, that goes, you know, that, that's true for so many, so many areas. I mean, I, I remember when I was managing a team, um, you know, one, um, you know, one thing that you need to do as, as a procurement professional is to obviously give a forecast to your uh, CFO to say, look, I mean, we're buying this material and this service. Uh, how much are we going to pay in the next 12 months for that service or product? And some people in my team, they had a very close relationship with the suppliers and suppliers were very good at preparing market outlook and information and data on what the market is going to do, how prices are going to develop. And my team pretty much copy pasted that, that, that information from the supplier into the deck that we submitted then to the CFO. Well, I got a little bit frustrated that they didn't even remove the, the logo of the supplier there. But that just tells you the story, Mark, right? If you as a salesperson really understand 
on how to you know uh, enable and empower your buyer your procurement professional on the other side i mean you have a foot into the door right i mean you can you can obviously influence and position things in a way that that you couldn't if you if you don't take them seriously right so there's a lot of value to be had by building a good relationship with your buyer yeah, and that's a great segue to what you and, and your company does. I, I'm familiar with the, the five, how do you pronounce it? Fivis? Fivis Partnership, yes. Yeah. Right. And so uh, you've got um, uh, an, a model with, and, and actually I saw your article. Um, go ahead and tell us where that article is published because it I, I was really a great article. Yeah, so we uh, publish most of our stuff on LinkedIn. We really, because for us, it's not, we just don't, don't want to just, you know, sell stuff to people right we want to create a an engagement we really want to build bridges between sales and procurement and the article that we published there on linkedin um was really about um what happens these days in in the crisis and normal pattern or not normal but an unfortunate pattern but a lot of procurement teams is just to send out a letter to all their suppliers asking for a 10 percent discount right um, because they get a lot of pressure internally from their CFOs and CEOs saying, look, guys, you need to do something. Show me the money pretty much. And then, you know, all the strategic supplier relationships and all the rest of it is being pretty much thrown overboard. And people just go out and send a letter or email to the suppliers and say, look, we need a price discount, uh, Mark, and we need to have it tomorrow. Right. And what I try to explain in that article is really, what you should be doing as a salesperson to react to that, right? And how should you respond? And I give a few tips there um, on how to change the conversation from that discount and money focus to value again. And uh, and I think a lot of a lot of the points that I made there is what we talked about, namely to build an understanding about your customer. What do they really need? How can you help them during these difficult times? And sometimes it's, it's absolutely not about the per unit um, price. It is, you can do much more as a supplier and, and you could use that, the situation as an opportunity to really start that value-based conversation with, with your procurement teams. Yeah, um, you know, yeah that, that's, that's where we've uh, published the, the article. At yeah, and so I'm going to try to make sure that I put that link in, the, in, in this post. Oh, great. Post this post. And so, but one thing that occurs to me that, that, I teach to my sales organizations and selling organizations is that if you wait until you get that letter from the procurement folks, hey, we need a 10% price discount to start building that relationship, to start finding out where you sit with them, to start understanding where your value is, you, you've waited too long, right? The bus is about to run you over and you no longer have the ability to do anything about it. A lot of purchasing agents, when you start talking about your value and use and your total value, after that letter has come out, uh, a lot of buying companies just view that con that conversation as a cheesy attempt to defend your price. And absolutely right. And, and so, so you need to you need to have done that well before that letter happens because the, the, the degree of difficulty goes up 10, 1500 times if you started doing all that stuff after it's, it happens. So you need to start building your relationship with purchasing. Um, my first job in, uh, with a highly differentiated electronic component. So we were going to companies making uh, 
robots and uh, flight avionics for commercial and military jets and uh, high-end computing systems, uh, mainframes, uh, supercomputers. So we were one of the components in these and it, we weren't the most expensive, but um, we, could, we made a, a component that actually improved the performance of these devices. So we were actually performance critical, but not cost critical. So we were, you know, kind of in an optimum place and purchasing was kind of that necessary evil <laughs> where, you know, the, the purchasing agent said, look, you're just wire and cable, you're a commodity. Don't talk to my engineers. And the engineers were saying, look, I'm trying to design this box and I need a cable that does what nobody else in the world can do but can you do this and we'd say yes we can and now the engineer saying if i buy from you there's a half a million dollars in cost and redesign and six months in project delay that we won't experience and so now you've got that direct conflict between the engineer who sees that value and purchasing who says you're a cable commodity and I'm just, don't talk to my engineers, don't talk to my people, talk to me because you're a commodity, I'm just gonna buy on a drawing. And um, so it was a really great experience to have at the beginning of my work life to understand the role of purchasing what they wanted to accomplish, even though they couldn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish, because I knew that I had value that had to be sold, but now we have to have the, the I shouldn't be selling that value to purchasing. Your own engineers, Mr. Purchasing Agent, should be selling you that value. And so I had to facilitate that communication between that purchasing agent and their own engineers. Which was exactly that, right? You need to understand where's the power, right? I'm not saying that every buyer out there has the absolute authority to make a call that we should be buying from Mark or from somebody else, right? Uh, you could be in that situation where the internal stakeholders so the engineering team is actually making the shot and the procurement person is just facilitating the process or is a contributor to the process. So I think creating that understanding is important. And also um, the, the other trend that you see in procurement is, I mean, we distinguish in procurement between direct and indirect spend. So direct spend is every service or product or ingredient that goes into the end product that, we, that is sold to the end consumer, let's say, right? Mm. And indirect are products that facilitate the creation of that end consumer product. So a software, for instance, could be an indirect product. And what you see normally is that the maturity, procurement maturity for direct spend errors is much higher than for indirect. So for direct, you will have probably more uh, authority on the procurement side to make really the shots, okay, we're gonna buy from Mark, and I don't care, R&D team, what you're saying, because uh, this is the best supplier. We have the full expertise and we will make that call. Whereas in the indirect area, procurement might not have all the technical insights. And engineering is a good field, which I would still consider a bit indirect um, because it's just, it, first it's a service. It's not a black and white kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so there you probably have more leverage on the um, internal stakeholder making or calling the shots. Yeah. But the art is really to cater for both and just you need to understand where's the power really, but you don't want to put all your eggs into one basket. Uh, but it's, it's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely a, a difference between um, this indirect and direct area and, and 
uh, it really depends uh, where your customers at on their journey to to that you know procurement excellence let's say yeah so we could keep going on and on. I, I wanted to maybe talk about the five elements like care about your customers, uh, compete when you have to, uh, continuously improve, communicate clearly, proactively, and regularly, and mutually define goals, um, which were in that article, which I'm, we're, we'll make sure we get that link. Uh, what haven't we talked about that you want to make sure that we get out? I mean, for me, is what, what is really important is I mean, if any, everyone on this call today could just reach out uh, to the buyer on the sales side, uh, sorry, on the, on the customer side and make that first contact, then I would be already happy because that's where it starts for your earlier point, Mark, right? Just reach out and ask some questions, right? Uh, build that relationship early on and not wait until procurement calls you because then it might be a complete different discussion. So that would be my last point here. Great. Jens, um, tell people how they can get a hold of you and, and uh, start a, a conversation with you about that very critical part of the, the selling process. Yeah, I mean, you, they can always find me on LinkedIn uh, under uh, Jens Henschel or on our website, fiveeyes.io. Um, always happy to answer any questions. Uh, just shoot me an email, a LinkedIn message. Um, happy to help you guys out. Great. Uh, Jens, this has been a great conversation. And like I say, we could keep going for another half hour easily probably, probably yeah. for hours and hours. Uh, when we first had our introductory call, I think it went 45, 50 minutes, uh, just getting to know each other. Um, it's great having somebody who has that other side of the table perspective. And um, salespeople don't get trained on that and don't learn enough about your side of the table, um, which is really unfortunate because most purchasing folks go to negotiation training twice a year, right? <laughs> and <Yeah>. so um, <laughs> it's, it's really important for salespeople to, to understand this critical uh, role, where, whatever you're selling. So thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise. And, and I hope people call and uh, get to know you and, and your company services. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Yep. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where value is all in your customer's head, which means that your success is all in your customer's head as well. Thanks and go out and have so, uh, some clear value in your day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drop over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.